look at this well-known prayer. And here is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount teaching his disciples about prayer. Um, In the context, we read in verses 1 through uh, 8, Jesus is warning them, sounding a warning to them about uh, what they often see in their communities, and that is a very self-righteous approach uh, towards God. And uh, he warns about the kind of praying and doing good charitable deeds that is only to be seen of men. He talks about those that uh, give their alms and they do charitable things, but they do it in a very public, ostentatious way rather than doing it in private as unto the Lord. And he warns them of that, as well as in their praying and in their fasting. They like to be seen of men. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know something of that maybe in our own lives, where sometimes we can do things just to be seen of people. We know what's expected of us as Christians and uh, sometimes it becomes a routine or it becomes a show. And we, we like to get attention and, and look like we are spiritual and we're good, mature Christians. And sometimes we are doing it for all the wrong reasons. One of my professors in seminary talked about beware of prostituting sacred things for personal gain for our own benefit. Taking sacred things and really prostituting them and using them for just our own promotion, our, to be seen of men, to be thought highly of. And when we really look at that, it, it is ugly and hideous when we would do that. And so Jesus is warning here, don't be like those that you have seen in this way. And uh, so now as we come then to... Uh, verse 9, and this what is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, we have Jesus speaking to us about this issue of prayer. So as we think about prayer, this is a privilege that has been given to us as God's children. We have the privilege of addressing our Father who is in heaven and praying to him. This is a great privilege. We have immediate access into the presence of our God, to commune with him, to communicate with him. And this is the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth. What a privilege. I don't know when you call some people anymore, you you get automated answering machines. You never get a real person. But that's not true as we think about our prayers. We are able to pray to our Father in heaven And when we think about prayer, there's an acrostic that I think is helpful. It's the word acts. Does anybody know what the A stands for? Adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, and S, supplication. And these really are four elements of prayer. We are able to come with our hearts when they're overflowing in worship and praise and adoration to our God. We have this means of outlet when we are grateful for God's faithfulness to us or he's done something specially favorable to us and we are able to express adoration and praise to our God. 
And uh, then when our heart is burdened with sin and with guilt, we are able to confess our sins. We're able to agree, God, this is wrong, what I did. I agree with you. I confess it to you. And he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there is a great weight that is lifted from us as we confess our sins, even as David did in in the well-known Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. And then when our heart is blessed, uh, we have God's good gifts, his kind providence. Uh, We are able to give thanks to him for blessings that we have received. And when our hearts are broken for others, we are able to make supplication on their behalf. Again, there's mystery in this, but we're able to go to the throne of grace and bring before our Father the concerns that we have for one another. And so over and again, we are told in the New Testament to pray for one another, to intercede for one another before the throne of grace. And as we think about prayer, prayer really is a sign of spiritual life, that we have been born of God, that we belong to him, that we have a heart that that is there, that that seeks to pray. Now, we don't always seek to pray as we ought. Sometimes our hearts are cold, and we know that, but we then seek to realign things, and, and our hearts are given to prayer. Matthew Henry said, you may as soon find a living man that does not breathe as a living Christian that does not pray. If prayerless, then graceless. I believe that's very true. sign of the new birth is that the Spirit of God lives within us and we are given to prayer. So it's a natural part of being a son or a daughter of God in our spiritual journey, and in our discipline in grace. Uh, And again, even though it may ebb and flow, this will be true of a believer that they are given to to prayer. Um, God has ordained this as one of the means of grace to help us as Christians. It is a great privilege that is given to us, and we can be thankful for that. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. An amazing thought. Coming face to face, as it were, with God. And what a great privilege. And as he said, man is at his greatest when he is upon his knees. Now, more specifically, as we come to the prayer here, that is often entitled the disciples, or it is often entitled the Lord's Prayer. But really, it it would be better to define this or describe this as the disciples' prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus gives to his disciples. How would this prayer be inappropriate for Jesus? What's one of the ways, anyway? Yeah, forgive us our trespasses. He, he doesn't need to pray for forgiveness of sin. And so this is a prayer that is given for his disciples. And that is certainly a part of a confession of our sins. There is another prayer in the Bible that we could rightly call the Lord's Prayer or Christ's Prayer. Anybody know where that would be? 
John 17. What a wonderful, wonderful prayer. Here we hear Jesus praying to his own father as he's going to the cross. And uh, it is there that he prays for his people. He prays for us. And what a wonderful prayer there as he pours out his heart to his father and his desire is that the father would be glorified in this work that he has sent him to do. And there he makes supplication uh, on our behalf um, before his father. And so thankfully, Jesus ever lives to intercede for us, even this day. And it is also the Spirit who, in Romans 8, Paul says, the Spirit even intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. That's, again, another mystery, but we are thankful to know that. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. But there is the Spirit who is interceding for us. And what we find here is that Jesus gives us what we might call a pattern, a pattern for praying. Verse 9, he says, in this manner, therefore pray, in this manner. This is is a command, Um, and the command is not, I want you to pray these exact words, but I want you to pray in this manner. Here is what we might say is a sampling of what prayer ought to include not necessarily the exact words that are being given here, not necessarily this specific prayer. Here's a, pr- here's a pattern. Here is a model, an example for us that is helpful to guide us in our prayer life. It's kind of a skeleton, we might say, and it gives us help and guidance and direction. I don't think there's anything wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer. We, we've done that often, and sometimes we sing the Lord's Prayer, um, but it is primarily it is a, a uh, it is a, an example, a pattern that is given for us. And as we look at this prayer, we see uh, some order that is given here that I think is important. He gives us the priority in how we are to pray. First, there is the invocation. He is addressing our Father. We are praying to our Father. And then it is followed by six petitions that are being made. And there is a set of the first three that have to do with God, our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it addresses things that relate to God. And then the latter three have to do with our own personal needs. And so it talks about give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So it's not a coincidence, I don't think. I don't think this is just a coincidence that it's this order. I think there's a priority here that our our concerns ultimately ought to be first and foremost about our God, about his name, about his reign, and about his will, and then our own personal, physical, spiritual needs that follow. And we are able to present those to the Lord. But I think that we need to, I think we need to see that the priority here, an overarching concern for the name of God, for his purposes to be accomplished, for his will, for his name to be hallowed. And um, I'm afraid in my own prayers, and sometimes our prayers are too much about 
about us and not we don't have this balance that I think Jesus presents to us here. And uh, so we need to, to, to work at that, I think. Um, and so here's, a, I think, a helpful reminder for us. And I think it's interesting that we realize that we're all in this together. When we pray, we pray, our Father who is in heaven, forgive us of our sins. We, we all need forgiveness of sins. And uh, so it's a reminder that um, we are all in this together as we think of praying. We do this in concert, as it were, as the people of God. And so we see the invocation, the words that he uses here as he speaks to his disciples about praying and addressing God. Um, Our Father, we don't always necessarily have to use these words, but it does convey that prayer is very personal, it is very intimate, and it is a reverent thing. I am able to say, Our Father, my Father. He's my father. And there's this personal intimacy that that we have with him. And again, what a blessing that is as we think of the Christian life. It is a saving relationship. It is a personal relationship with the living God. As Jesus said in John 17, what is eternal life? It is that they may know you, the only true and living God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And therefore, when we pray, we're able to say he is our father. He is, he is my father. And so there is this personal aspect as we think about prayer. And there is this idea of reverence. There is this wanting his name to be hallowed. He is, he is our father. And uh, again, there's intimacy, but there is also reverence for him. Um, The third commandment says you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so we want to honor the name of the Lord. It is to be hallowed. And that really is what we are praying for. God, let your name be hallowed in this world. Let it be hallowed in my own life. And so we are praying reverently, but intimately and personally. And it's interesting that Jesus teaches his disciples when they pray to call God their father, that they are able to pray in this way. It may have been startling to some of the hearers of that day. In the Old Testament, we know that there is the father-son analogy that is used with regard to his people, but this is really developed in the New Testament with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here this pattern Uh, that is given to us by Jesus. This would not have been typical of an Old Testament prayer. But with the incarnation, there is this great emphasis upon the family relationship that the people of God have with their God. And we see it here right off in this early sermon on the Mount where Jesus over and again is talking about your Father who's in heaven, your Father who's in heaven. He knows your need. He will give you the things that you need. And so even when you pray, you're able to pray to him in that sense that he is your father. Again, intimacy and closeness. Jesus said this, I am ascending to my God and your God and my father 
and your father. As we think of that relationship that Jesus had with his father, it's different. He has eternally been the son of God. But there is that close, intimate relationship that he has with his father. He's in the bosom of the father, we are told in John 1. And there's this closeness. I and the father are one. Now, that's different from us. But there is this intimacy and this closeness that has come about by the grace of God and because of Christ and because of the gospel. And so as we pray, we are able to pray as his children calling upon our father. And I think we all well know that uh, when we think of the children of God, this is not some universal fatherhood of God. Um, The Bible says that uh, we were children of wrath, weren't we? In Ephesians 2, children of wrath. God made us alive together with Christ. He, he regenerated us. And, and by grace, we have become children of God. We've been adopted, as we saw this morning. And uh, so, therefore, it's those who, by Christ, are children of God. Ephesians 5.8 says, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. This is the grace of God to us, is it not? We were dead in sin and transgressions. There was enmity in our minds towards God. There was hostility in our hearts toward God. And yet, he loved us. And he sent his son to redeem us and to make us to be his own. And to draw us near into this relationship where we are his children. And we belong to him. And so this is a prayer for those who have been born of the Spirit. They have repented of their sins and they have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's a term that really can only be used by those born of God, born anew by the Spirit of God. And uh, I read this morning from Galatians 4.6 uh, where Paul there says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to redeem those who were under the curse of the law so that uh, they they would become sons of God, that they would be adopted. And the spirit is in their hearts crying out, Abba, Father. Again, this is an intimate name that is used of God. He's like our daddy. Um, God is the judge. He is the sovereign of the universe, but He is also our father in a very personal, intimate uh, way. It's kind of the language of the living room, of a father sitting with his children on his lap. Well, what an endearing picture that is as we think of this relationship that we enjoy with our father. In fact, that term is used in chapter 6 here of your father, your father who sees, your father who knows your needs. And... uh, your Father who is in heaven. So what an encouragement for us to pray. That We are praying to our Father, and he hears the prayers and the petitions of his children and will do according to his will, and we can trust him for that. And this God to whom we pray, he is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven, he is sovereign. He rules above. He is seated in heaven above, and uh, he is the one yet that knows us, knows us personally. He knows us and sees us in secret, 
and again, what a, a wonderful thing this is. He is intimately acquainted with his people. He has all power and authority. He's in heaven, but he knows us personally and intimately. And so when we come before him, we ought to come with humility. We ought to come with reverence and respect. But he is our father. And to him, we are able to pray. And we'll look at this petition next week of hallowed be your name. This is one the first petition that is given. This becomes the desire of the children of God. We want his name to be hallowed. We want his name to be known. I want to close with this quote. This, I think, was from Tozier, A.W. Tozier. And uh, it's a great encouragement to us, I think. Remember that God in Christ has become your father who not only knows all about you in the sense that he is omniscient, he knows all about you also in the sense that a father knows all about his child. He knows what is good for the child. Put these two things together. God in his almightiness is looking at you with a holy love and knows your every need. He bears your every sigh and loves you with an everlasting love. He desires nothing so much as your blessing, your happiness, your joy, and your prosperity. Let me read that again. He desires nothing so much as your blessing, your happiness, your joy, and your prosperity. That's not the way the prosperity gospel preachers preach it. He is at work in us for our good. And that may encompass a lot of different things, but it's for our good. Then remember this, that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. As your Father which is in heaven, he is much more anxious to bless you than you are to be blessed. Before you begin to make any, before you begin to make any petition, before you begin to ask even your, for your daily bread, before you ask for anything, just realize that you, such as you are, are in the presence of such a being, your Father, which is in heaven, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, my God and my Father. He is more willing to bless you than you're willing to be blessed. What an amazing, wonderful statement. So may God encourage us and help us that we may grow in in grace in this area of our prayer life, that we may be seeing these patterns that we see here given to us by Jesus and uh, in our own prayer life. But may we today as we go our way and as we pillow our head tonight, be reminded of the great privilege that we belong to this one if we're in Christ. He is our Father. Well, let's stand and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer.